welcome to Case Files, the short crime fiction story podcast. I'm Rachel Amphlett, USA Today best-selling mystery author and creator of these dark, twisted mysteries. In this week's episode, we're introduced to Michael. When Michael arrives at work early one winter's day, he discovers that he's not the only one who's had a busy morning. A Dirty Business by Rachel Amphlett Narrated by Adam Naranjo Michael Hawkins pulled a well-worn pair of soft leather gloves over his calloused hands and tugged a woolen beanie over his ears. Condensation escaped his chapped lips in a fine mist while he locked his vehicle. A trickle of fine water droplets coating the hood of the years-old 4x4 where only half an hour ago a thick layer of frost had covered the metalwork. The drive to the recycling center wasn't long, only 20 minutes from home, and his fingers were still numb from scraping clean the windshield while the engine idled. The heater had finally kicked in as he'd swiped his security card at the gates into the facility, wafting a token gust of warm air across his steel-toed safety boots before he turned the key in the ignition and reluctantly climbed out. Two years, three months, and two days. That was how long he'd been sorting people's trash. Despite the fresh pair of overalls and work shirt he wore underneath his thick fleece and high-vis vest, he already felt dirty just looking at the damn place. He clutched his stainless steel coffee cup in his left hand and raised it in greeting to Brian Lockie as he trudged towards him, forcing a smile while the older man paused to unlock the dilapidated trailer they shared as an office this side of the site. Overhead, gulls wheeled and dived above the landfill pits, eager to discover what morsels remained after the previous day's recycling and trash collections while a backhoe worked amongst the plastic and twisted metalwork, its engine rumbling across to where he stood. Michael wrinkled his nose while Brian entered the office. After two days off, Lisa thought he was at a training conference. The stench from the place took getting used to. When he first started the job, she made him leave his boots on the porch before walking into the house, and even then he had to take a shower downstairs before she let him enter the kitchen or den. She hadn't even done that when he'd spent four horrific weeks sweeping the floor at the local slaughterhouse before he quit, unable to stomach the surroundings. Now he kept a change of clothes in the downstairs bathroom and a separate laundry basket for his work overalls, just to keep her happy. It was easier when they were first married, keeping her happy. He sniffed, not too hard, then took a sip from the travel cup, savoring the bitterness. Brian peered around the office door, his expression perplexed. Were you here earlier? No, sir. Half seven is early enough for me. Michael paused on the threshold as his colleague turned and pointed at the computer screen under a single window overlooking the parking lot. Why? The system says you clocked in 20 minutes ago. Huh. He reached into his fleece pocket and withdrew his security card. Well, this has been in my jacket pocket since last night. I always put it there so I don't forget. What about your spare? Each of them carried a master key card in case of emergencies. It was why they earned a meager amount more than their junior colleagues, and why they took it in turns to be on call-out. At home, 
I keep it on the top drawer of my nightstand. Brian frowned, weathered skin creasing his brow. Uh, the system must be faulty, then. I'll give head office a call. I need to chase them up about getting the CCTV installed anyway. We're due to open in ten, Michael checked his watch. While you're doing that, I'll check the containers already. Okay, call me on the radio when you're good to go. Michael caught the walkie-talkie Brian tossed him, held it up in salute, and turned away. An articulated truck carrying a full load from the previous day's recycling efforts roared past the office trailer, the building rocking gently in its wake, and Michael paused at the door while the driver maneuvered through the wide steel exit gates until it was safe for him to cross to the enormous corrugated iron bins that lined a horseshoe-shaped concrete pit. Approaching a set of concrete steps to the right of the pit, he cast his gaze over lines of washing machines and dryers that formed a forlorn white and stainless steel honor guard each side of him. Beyond those, ovens and cookers peeked out between the gaps as if searching for a way to escape before being stripped of all recyclable parts, their remains then crushed beyond recognition. An impatient honk reached his ears when he rested his hands on the metal handrail of the stairs leading up to the pedestrian access points, and he emitted a mirthless chuckle under his breath. There was always one. The recycling center opened at eight o'clock sharp, not a minute earlier and not a minute later. Until Brian released the automatic locks on the gates, not one car would be passing through them. Climbing the steps, Michael ran his gaze over the twelve metal bins that were set down ready for the first wave of recycling. Each bin was positioned beneath a signpost bolted to a metal barrier that prevented members of the public from toppling in while they deposited their trash. Each signpost denoted the intended contents of the bin. Cardboard, metal, electronics, garden waste. In front of those, a row of parking spots were painted onto the raised concrete pier that curved around the facility so that the public could park and empty their vehicles. A pair of ravens, or were they crows, he could never remember, pecked and squabbled over a greasy gray scrap of meat they'd found at the top of the concrete steps, the sinew stretching between beak and claw as they tore it to pieces and bickered. They squawked in disgust when he clapped his gloved hands together flapping their way into the air before landing amongst the stark branches of a withered hornbeam behind four blue clothing bins, the bright paintwork hurting his eyes. He shouldn't have, but when Heather phoned him on his way home on Tuesday night and suggested sneaking away from Lisa for a couple of nights, he couldn't resist. Lisa and he were arguing more than ever, and the lie came easily. After all, he and Brian often attended health and safety courses in Newark. It was the closest place the waste and recycling company offered training. And Lisa wasn't to know he was due a couple days off in lieu of overtime, was she? Now the lack of sleep and the activities that prevented him from sleeping was taking its toll. He took another sip of coffee, willing the caffeine to kick in. Ten years ago, he would have shrugged off the tiredness and got on with it. Forty-five, and, if he were honest, carrying a little extra weight around his middle, he wondered for a fleeting moment what the hell he was playing at. The pang of guilt faded the moment he recalled Lisa nagging him to deal with the trash on his way out the door that morning. 
that had started the next argument. The previous one had started when he'd walked in at half ten the night before, after the conference had ended. He ended up sleeping on the sofa, which didn't help the ache in the small of his back. Then an hour ago, Lisa had thrown up her hands in disgust and stormed out the front door, saying she had better things to do than clear up after him, and that he should know better given his job. She was still muttering under her breath as she fired up the ancient red sports car she refused to sell and reversed out of the driveway, the wheels spinning across ice-covered asphalt as she tried to floor it down the street. The trash remained outside the back door. Michael sighed and trudged towards bin number 12, the nearest to him. Signposted medals, within the hour it would be full to the brim with discarded cheap watches, costume jewelry, unwanted gardening tools, and more. However, safety precautions dictated that before any members of the public were permitted into the site, each bin had to be checked in case of any problems that might cause a health concern. Resting a hand on the metal railing, feeling the cold seeping through his gloves, Michael leaned over the precipice and peered into the container. All clear. He was turning away when something glistened in the bright, cold sunlight. He froze. A slender sports wristwatch lay in the far corner, its face turned upwards and the gray-colored strap curled underneath. He paused and leaned closer, squinting. Huh. It looked similar to the one Heather wore, and he wondered how much she'd paid for hers. She wore it everywhere, even when she wasn't planning to go for a run just so she could count her daily steps. Would it be worth salvaging? Maybe he could get something for it if he sold it online. Another honk from the waiting line of cars pulled him from his thoughts, and he turned away from the railing, resigned. Chances were it was a cheap imitation, which is why it had been thrown away. It must have got caught on something, which was why it hadn't fallen out with the rest of the trash when the container had been emptied at the end of the previous day's shift. He'd have a word with Brian about the person responsible for hosing out the bin afterwards, though. He shook his head and scuffed across the concrete pier to bin number 11. Electronic goods. Cell phones, Bluetooth speakers, discarded car sat nav systems, it all ended up in here. It never ceased to amaze him how quickly bin 11 filled over the course of any given day. He still used the phone he was given when he worked for a telecoms company until they downsized after that particular year, and he found himself surplus to requirements. And it worked just fine, even if there was a hairline fracture in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. He wouldn't, couldn't, contemplate throwing it away and buying a new one, not the way the bills were stacking up on the kitchen table back home. The steel-capped toe of his boot caught against the empty container as he swept his gaze across its floor, the solid clang echoing off the sides. His heart skipped a beat, painfully, and when he swallowed, his tongue rasped within a dry mouth. A single sleek cell phone lay in the middle of the container, its screen visible, all the little icons littering the display as its power flickered and threatened to fade. A shiver crinkled its way down Michael's spine. There was the luminescent pink square of the banking app Heather favored. Above it, the bright green of the encrypted messaging app they favored so that Lisa wouldn't find out about their affair 
for their secret meetings while she was at work in that beauty parlor she co-managed Monday through Friday. He gripped the railing with both hands, his thoughts tumbling over one another. What was going on? Lifting his gaze to the remaining bins, he thought he heard a car engine purring beyond bin number three, but his view was blocked by another row of bell-shaped bins used for collecting glass bottles. He sniffed the air, catching a whiff of exhaust fumes, then glanced over his shoulder. The gates were still closed, and now Brian was standing at the mobile office door watching him. The radio in his pocket crackled to life. I'm waiting to open the gates. Everything all right up there? Michael fished out the walkie-talkie. I think so. Even he heard the tremor in his voice. What's going on? Brian barked. I've got cars backed up as far as the junction down here. Wait a minute. He shoved the radio back in his pocket and jogged around the lip of the bin to the next one. Number 10. Shoes. Taking a deep breath, he peered in. A single tan stiletto lay in the left-hand corner below his position. Three-inch heel, slightly worn down on the outer edge, and size four, he murmured. He reached up and ran a gloved finger under his collar, sweating now, despite the chill breeze that whipped across the concourse below and up to where he stood, making his eyes water. His stomach lurched and he turned, grasping hold of the railings as he gulped deep breaths and tried to steady his rising heartbeat. Then his gaze traveled to the blue clothing bins lined up on the other side of the parking bays, and he cried out in shock. A bright pink sweatshirt now curled out from the letterbox-shaped hole in the bin on the far left, a dark stain covering the sleeve. His radio squeaked again, but he didn't hear Brian's words, and took no notice of the man's obvious irritation at his lack of response either. Instead, Michael's attention was taken by movement at the far end of the line of corrugated containers to the battered red sports car that belched exhaust fumes in a blue fog that swirled across the icy concrete pier, to the woman whose shoulder-length hair was captured underneath a woolen beanie that he'd given her last winter, a satisfied smile on her lips, to the woman standing beside bin number three, organic waste. He spun around at the sound of running footsteps to see Brian heading towards him, his cheeks flushed with the effort, his expression furious, and held up his hand before he could get any closer. Call the cops, Brian. His colleague slowed to a walk, confusion creasing his brow. What? Call the police, now. He didn't hear Brian's response. Instead, Michael ran towards the car, towards Lisa, as he reached out and popped open the trunk, sliding to a halt on a patch of ice his arms wheeling about his head as he tried to find his balance. She was opening the trunk now, her movements unhurried while his breath escaped in short, panicked bursts. Lisa, Lisa, what are you doing? She turned, bloodstains on her jeans and a calculated expression in her eyes. His spare security pass dangled from a lanyard around her neck, and her sleeves were rolled up to her elbows, businesslike. He peered behind her, Bile rising in his throat at the pale arm that snaked out from under the old dog blanket, the one he kept folded up on top of the workbench in the garage, the one she was always nagging him to throw away ever since their spaniel died a year ago.
What have you done, Lisa? He repeated, a cold chill snaking around the back of his neck. What have you done? She moved to one side so he could see the crumpled form she'd crammed into the trunk, Heather's blank eyes staring up at him. I'm doing what I asked you to do this morning, Lisa said, brushing a strand of dark brown hair from her eyes with the back of her hand. I'm taking out the trash. The End You have been listening to A Dirty Business by Rachel Amflett. Narrated by Adam Naranjo. Published by Saxon Publishing. Audio copyright 2022. Rachel Amflett. All rights reserved. Find out more about the Case Files series of short crime stories at www.rachelamphlett.com. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe to hear next week's episode. To find out more about The Case Files short crime fiction stories and receive a free audiobook, head to shortcrimestories.com.